This episode is dedicated to a very special friend of mine. Now, I'm going to mention his name at the end of my statement, but I have something very special to say about this particular friend. Um, When I was in college many, many moons ago, right? Because, you know, I miss the gray hair old guy over here. Many moons ago, um... I had a very, very magical and amazing roommate. And this person saved my life on multiple occasions. And the first and most significant way he changed my life was by reconnecting me back to God and my spiritual foundation. And when he did that... The series of events that followed was some of the most mystical and magical experiences that I never I, that I can't even explain right here in this forum. I mean, the supernatural and the miraculous was totally presented to me in my life and I was truly transformed forever. Because I am a very spiritual person. Anyone that knows me, regardless of my sobriety and my addictions, um, I was born with the gift to see. I was born with the gift to just love. I love God. I was always fascinated by God. I was always fascinated by spirituality. I was fascinated by all spiritual doctrines. When I was a kid, I used to cry just every time they played the greatest story ever told and Jesus got beat up or something like that. I used to go into the dark and cry and pray to myself. And I love God. And somewhere in life, my knowledge of all things kind of brought me, took me further away from God because I started studying so much that I started questioning my faith and I started questioning Jesus and I started questioning Christ and I started questioning God. And then here comes this roommate of mine who in a very kind way, one night we just was up real late just talking. And you know how that happens. You and a friend get into a really good conversation. One thing leads to another and we started breaking day And he was telling me that if I were to do certain things, my soul could be jeopardized. You know, he was like, if you sin, these are the things that could happen. And I have a brother that's that, that was, my brother was a priest at the time. And, um, so this is like 530 in the morning. It was funny. I called my brother up, who's a full blown priest. Right. You know, I'm calling him up at his church at 530 in the morning and I say, bro, I know these questions might seem really stupid coming from me to you because I'm your brother. But don't judge me right now. But are these things true regarding my faith and my soul and my mortality and, you know, my afterlife? Can I go to hell or can I, you know, will my soul be jeopardized? And My brother said, absolutely. Your friend is right. And it hit me differently at that time. And I just totally redevoted my life to God. And that was the beginning of a real mystical. I became almost like a zealot at that point. I was literally 
fascinated by and focused on nothing but God. I meditated, prayed, meditated, prayed, fasted. I threw out my televisions. I broke up with my girlfriend and I studied and I prayed and I prayed. And from that became a lot of powerful things. I was able to see many visions. I was able to dream. I was able to write. That's what spawned my poetry. My music became more profound. And I recommitted myself to God and Jesus Christ because of this friend. And this is going, this was maybe, I will say, close to 20... No, about, yeah, about 18 to 17, 16 to 17 years ago, right? So that was the first thing he did for me. The second thing he did for me was one day after all of this, you know, me being young, you know, when the novelty of being this monk wore, wore off and I went back to my college ways, I found myself a little reckless and wild because we're young and we're in college. And he sat me down and he said to me, he said, Pop, I don't know how this applies to you, but God came to me and told me if you didn't slow down and if you didn't commit yourself, you didn't, you know, he's going to take away your voice. So, you know, he was like, I really think you should reevaluate the way you're moving and everything you're doing because you're kind of wild, you know. And that stuck with me forever because fast forward 10 years later when I'm struggling with my addiction and I don't know why this thing of alcohol is taking its hold over me like this because I was able to drink normally and you know get up and go about my stuff but then at some point in my life it just a switch turned on where I just couldn't stop drinking and that's when my story began it was when the sober's you know my sober's dope story began is when I just couldn't kick that habit and I always thought about him. I always said, you know what? I have a friend, man, and this guy told me about this. He said, and I know he wasn't lying because he's a very spiritual person. He's a very good person. And I was like, you know, he told me about this and I should have. And, and and the good news was it gave me hope because I said, well, he did say if I didn't stop, he'll take away my voice. And I still had my voice. But what that meant to me is I will die. Because what happens when you have no more voice? It means you can't speak. It means you're dead. And me and my big mouth, you guys know I love to talk. So uh, if I can't speak, then I might as well be dead. So it was symbolic. And I want to dedicate this episode to him because I love him. And I care about him deeply. And sometimes God sends us those friends who may come into your life for a season and change it forever. And to you, Mr. Odari... I love you wherever you're at. God bless you and thank you for always being in my corner and one of my greatest spiritual friends. And you, my friend, are truly angelic. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 36 of the Sober is Dope podcast with your host, Pop Buchanan. I am excited to bring this podcast to you today. And we want to talk today about acceptance, the power of acceptance, the law of acceptance. And we, I would like to elaborate on that. Yesterday, we spoke about, in our last episode, we spoke about the law of allowing and the law of attraction. Now, most of us know what the law of attraction is, but 
when I was talking about the law of attraction, I was tying it into a mindset, right? Because you are what you think. And if we want to attract the best lifestyle and we want to really thrive in our recovery, I, you know, I recommend that we, you know, try to focus on the most positive aspects of our being, the positive thoughts, the positive vibration, the positive visualizations, so we could attract those energies and vibrations back to us, those blessings and that sense of well-being. So you are what you think. So if you stay in a negative space all day, you know you're going to be attracting that energy and that vibe. If you stay in a depressive state, you're going to be attracting that energy and that vibe. You know, um, so I like to use gratitude as a medium to focus more on the positive when times get rough, because in life, you know, life throws curveballs from every direction. And it's very important that we have things that we could uh, we have go to channels and things that we could use to bring out the best. So if I'm down, I'm going to think about all the ways that I I'm happy, all of the things around me that's positive. I'm going to be, I'm going to think about my mother and how she's healthy now after, you know, a health scare. I'm going to think about how God gave me my sobriety. I'm going to find gratitude in my nieces and nephews and, you know, gratitude in my spouse and in my friends and in you guys out there in the sober community, right? We have a lot to be thankful for. The fact that we woke up today, the fact that we're here alive with a second chance and able to talk about our recovery and our life and our future. And I think with the law of allowing and the concept of allowance, it, that that's also important because we have to utilize that in a live and let live approach to life as we learn in our AA and our 12 step, live and let live. Um, and also allowing ourselves to be to forgive ourselves of our past allowing ourselves to be free allowing ourselves to express to be expressive and to take accountability and ownership and allow ourselves to challenge and not to judge others and allow others to live while they figure out their life on their vibration on their journey at their consciousness level right because everyone is at a different level in life so we can look at someone and judge them and we all judge we're humans we're gonna judge by nature no one is above judgment you know, you could front all you want, but we all have those moments where we're looking at someone's outfit and saying they're going to wear that or someone could be carrying on in public and you go, look at that fool over there. They don't even know how to act. Or someone could be messed up and homeless and ask you for something and you get an attitude because you're judging them. Like, why don't you just go get a job? And then you got to catch yourself later on and be like, you know what? Shouldn't judge that person because I don't know their predicament and they're at their consciousness level dealing with their life and their predicament. And I should allow them, you know, I have to learn to allow people to just be free. So part of allowing is letting go and kind of just being in your state of being. So if you want to hear more about that, you got to check out episode 35. Today, I want to share some clips with you guys from some doctors. I have some cool stuff from David Goggins, who has a new book out called Can't Hurt Me. This guy is a, a thoroughbred... He's a SEAL, 
He's a um he's a um he he's won multiple marathons and ultra races. This guy broke through every challenge and barrier in his life and his new book Can't Hurt Me is an excellent read. I'm on chapter 10. I'm learning so much. Um I brought some of his concepts to the community in episode um in the episode about radical honesty where we spoke about um the accountability mirror, you know, and being radically honest and uh, the accountability mirror, like being having your own accountability mirror. When you look in the mirror, hold yourself at the highest form of accountability. Don't lie to yourself and, and you know, really keep it 100% with yourself, right? That's from David Goggins, and that inspired me to do the episode called Radical um, Honesty. So I'm going to play some clips from him mainly about how to cure laziness and procrastination but he also talks about acceptance it's a beautiful clip because he brings it full circle um so guys this is going to be one of those episodes where this is going to be a sober as dope tool another part of our tool belt um another item we could tuck away for on a rainy day when we need it we know we could come back and listen to this episode and the people that i'm using and their knowledge to help inspire and motivate us in the meantime i'm gonna read a, a definition of acceptance from wikipedia um here we go acceptance is a human psychology in human psychology is a person's assent to a reality of a situation recognizing a process or condition often a negative or uncomfortable situation without attempting to change it or to protest it the concept is close in meaning to acquiesce derived from the latin acquiescere to find rest in now, ladies and gentlemen, this is really important, especially for us in recovery. And that means if you're recovering from any type of addiction, ladies and gentlemen, the Sober's Dope podcast is not just about substance abuse addiction. If you're suffering from sex addiction, food addiction, money addiction, shopping, gambling, you know, all type of stuff. We have all type of addictions out there. Substance abuse addiction is my focus because that's what I'm recovering from. But I'm also recovering from negative eating patterns and, you know, watching my sugar. And, you know, I'm always detoxing from something. Hey, you know, fear, judgment and stuff like that. But in this in this definition, there was something here that was really stood out to me. Acceptance in human psychology is a person's assent to the reality of a situation, right? Recognizing a process or condition, often a negative or uncomfortable situation, without attempting to change it or protest it. Recognizing a process or condition, often a negative or uncomfortable situation, without attempting to change or protest it. So think about that. Sometimes someone could affect us real negatively, right? And that could just send us 100% in the opposite direction. It could get our stress levels up. It, you know, we'll start to become anxious. The anxiety comes in. We'll replay it in our minds. We we develop an attitude. Who who they think they talking to? Or, you know, and you, these pers- these people could get humans other people could really disrupt your peace in this way 
And part of acceptance is being able to really absorb someone else's negativity and say, okay, I'm not going to even attempt to change or protest it. Like, I'm just not going to let you. It's not, I accept it. I said, that's weird. That's how you feel. Fine. And move on. That's powerful. I mean, for me, I, I, I share a lot. So you guys can follow my storyline. I recently got a negative letter from someone that I really loved. And um, that sat with me for about two, three weeks. It really pissed me off. It really messed with, messed with me mentally. And I didn't find peace until I accepted it. I had to accept that, okay, this person no longer wants me in their life. I don't... I can't reach out to this person. I felt that I tried enough to be in this person's life or at least let them know that I love them. I'm going to continue to love them and care for them. But I had to accept the fact that that relationship is done permanently. And that's just the reality. That's what it is. And in that way, I could find peace or they could find peace, right? There doesn't have to be a conflict there. There's no conflict. It's like it's just no relationship there no more. And that's fine. But I had to go through a lot of pain to get to that point and that reality because it wasn't fine at first because I kept holding on to like I was angry. Why? Because I wanted something that I couldn't have. I wanted that relationship because it was a family member and I loved them and I want that relationship. But they was like, I can't have it. It's done. They was willing to move on for their personal reasons. It wasn't even personal to me. They they made that clear. It's not about me. It was just in general. It was about them and their life. And then they moved into a different aspect of their life. And they just didn't want to be in contact with anyone. And that was... And I, I you know, I have gray hairs to prove it. You guys heard that episode. That episode was called A Walk in the Park. I gray hair and stuff. But... That gray hair did come with some wisdom and it came with the concept and the power and the law of acceptance. And I'm learning to accept people and listen to them very clearly and understand where they're coming from. Every human being have their own terms. So that stood out to me right there. So let's 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 elaborate a little bit more. Wikipedia gives us a lot of things that we could play with here. So. Let's talk about this. The term acceptance is a noun with various different meanings. When the person to whom a proposal is made signifies their assent, it is an acceptance of their offer, also called an agreement. For example, if someone gives a gift to another, gives a gift and another receives it, then they have accepted the gift, therefore having acceptance. All right, they're giving us a super basic terms. All right, we could jump a little because we're not like in third grade here. All right, let's jump a little. Acceptance is an express act or implication by conduct that manifests assent or acceptance to the terms of an offer in the manner invited or required by the offer so that a binding contract is formed. The exercise of power conferred by an offer by performance of some act, the act of a person to whom something is offered of tendered by another, whereby the offer demonstrates through an act invited by another an intention of retaining the subject to an offer. All right, so none of us are in law school, so we're going to keep it going. I think this section here where they talk about Eckhart Tolle um, is kind of more up our alley. Um, Eckhart Tolle, a spiritual teacher who is alive today, defines acceptance as a this-is-it response to anything occurring in any moment of life. Their strength, peace, and serenity are available when one stops struggling to resist or 
hang on tightly to what is so in any given argument. What do I have right now? Now, what am I experiencing? The point is, can one be sad when one is sad, afraid when when afraid, silly when silly, happy when happy, judgmental when judgmental, overthinking when overthinking, serene when it's serene, etc., to simplify, acceptance mean allowing, whoa, talk about full circle here, allowing unwanted private experiences, thoughts, feelings, and urges to come and go without struggling with them. Boom. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the thing. I'm learning on the job with you guys, right? Somehow I wake up and I say, I want to talk about acceptance and how that affects me. And then I go, I start digging online, I start figuring out aspects of the subject matter that can help us in the sober community and in life, right? And this came full circle because we was just talking about allowing yesterday. So let's read this again because this is the this is what we were looking for. This is the, the juice that we wanted. All right. The, the Eckhart Tolle defines acceptance as a this is it response to anything. The point is, can one be sad when one is sad, afraid when afraid, silly when silly, happy when happy, blah, say blah. To simplify, acceptance mean allowing, allowing unwanted private experiences, thoughts, feelings, and urges to come and go without struggling with them. So ladies and gentlemen, we could go off. That's enough for us to talk about there. Because the struggle is exactly what I was looking for. So we had to go through all of that and that one word stood out in our life that we could identify with. With our addictions, with our, with our fears, with our anxieties, with our dreams, with our hopes, with our love, with our romance, with our finances... With our jobs, with our health, with our spirituality, the struggle, accepting what is and letting it be. It is what it is. We always say that, and I think when people say that, it's one of those things we say passively, like whatever, it is what it is. But we don't really understand the power of that. When you say that now, we're going to give that new meaning. Next time you subconsciously just say it is what it is, stop and say this is a this is a moment of reflection because that's my subconscious mind telling me to con to be conscious of some type of struggle or conflict and I'm I'm letting it go. You're making a verbal. You got to connect the verbal with the actual physical and the action. So when you say it is what it is, we have to mean it. You know what? This person doesn't like me anymore. It is what it is. I'm cool with it. God bless him. That a boy. Live and go in peace and love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. And all of that good stuff, right? Um, sometimes in relationships, someone just wakes up and decides that they don't want to be with you no more. We have to get to a point of acceptance where we can say, now this is the deep part. We could relate to this because I want to bring it. I'm not going to go dig into no more deep stuff. I want to deal with this on a human level with us. Because, I mean, if I can't come to you guys from heart to heart, mind to mind, then we, 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 we're not bonding, right? 
in a in a relationship, a bad breakup. A lot of us got into addiction due to bad breakups or love, some type of disappointment. Someone hurt us or disappointed us, right? And our sh- we were shocked and we were surprised. Sometimes caught off guard, embarrassed, saddened, and that caused us to really have meltdowns. We you know we get depressed, we get anxious, we go into a state of depression and fear. We pick up the bottle, we start picking up the drugs, and then we go down that deep rabbit hole of despair, pity, and and sadness. Right, but. We never heal until we actually accept the reality of the situation. So it's very simple. We know this concept. This is a base concept, but sometimes it's tied to an amount of time. Like, it took me like a whole year to wrap my head around... um, Losing a relationship I mean I I lost like Two relationships in my life That And I mean I, If I could go back When I was younger Like a teenager Think about your first relationship Right Someone breaks up with you You cry You write love letters You listen to music You go and tell your mom Mom This person broke up with me Life is over Your mom laugh And be like You'll be fine I ain't like him anyway And you're gonna meet Someone else new but in reality, you will go through a good two weeks, sometime a month, really like in the pits until you really accept it. And sometimes how you accept it, someone else will come along and steal your attention. And then you'll start to heal and realize that, you know, there's life after that particular person. But you don't truly heal until you accept the reality that it's time to move on. And I think that... This is a tool that we need to address in life. We have to learn to accept our limitations, our shortcomings, our mistakes, our fears. And until we accept it and say it is what it is, we can't change it or transform it or conquer it. If someone tries to come into our life and disrupt it, we have to look at it as if they have a problem. It's not your problem. So it shouldn't affect us adversely or emotionally, right? And um, so acceptance is a real powerful point. So we went from the law of attraction, which is attracting the vibration and the energies that we want. Attract thinking about abundance, thinking about grace and mercy, thinking about God, thinking about life, thinking about the dream house that you want, thinking about the ideal body that you want, thinking about the ideal mindset that you want. Practicing gratitude, practicing love, right? And then see that you're going to, is inputs and outputs, is inputs and outputs, right? So, you know, when that wave hits you back, when you get that wave and it hits you and you're like, man, my life is, you know, I got this momentum going. Life seems to be working, right? Uh, You know, I have my, my, you know, my vision board, you know, my vision board, it says dreams don't work unless you do. And then I have, you know, a picture of my my loved ones and I have, you know, a sober's dope hoodie. And then I can look up and I see, you know, uh, a, a, a vinyl of one of the albums that we have. And then I see my camera and then I see my sister 
sisters, lava beads, and I have all these things around me, you know, my quartz crystals, my gemstones, my water with my MSM, my gym, my gym stuff, and my LLC papers, and my flowers, and my plant, and I have all of these things that remind me of my life around me. It's like this moving vision board, because I have to maintain this positive vibration, because you know what? I accepted a life of sobriety. I accepted a life of health. I accepted a life of peace. Right now, this is what my life sounds like. I'm going to be quiet for a minute. And I'm in my house. This is what it sounds like. Now, for anyone who truly knows me, I came a long way. Because my house used to be pandemonium. I'm talking about 365 you could hear girls screaming, women running around. It was crazy. And I'm not proud of that, but, I, you know, now I found peace because my law of attraction point was sending out a signal that I want peace. I want a life where I could think. I just want a place where I could read. I just want a place where I could function. And I want to be able to meditate. I want to be able to focus. I want to be able to work hard. I want peace. I want peace. And now... All these years, without even thinking about it, this is what I hear. Peace. And it's early. It's only 8 o'clock. You know, my, 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 you know, you, you rewind 10 years ago, my house sound like, my sounded like Six Flags Great Adventure 24-7, right? So I say all of this to say that I'm living that, right? So I, 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 I have, you know, my, the secret, I sent out a, an attraction point and then I got, you know, and I'm attracting positive energy, positive vibe. And, I'm, and then I learned to allow. I learned to allow myself to go through the tough emotions. Because when I'm sober, being sober, I can't drink or get, like, drunk or do anything when I'm upset. I can't be like, oh, man, this person pissed me off. Now I'm going to go have a drink. And I, I swear, sometimes I think, like, I don't envy people who could do that. But because I'm an addict and I'm allergic to alcohol, well, let me, I'm an addict. That's the formality of it. But I'm more or less, I, I'm a person with an allergy, allergy in relation to alcohol. So because I'm allergic to alcohol, I can't drink, right? So it's just like someone saying, I really wish I could have a steak, but I can't eat red meat, Right? But I can't think about sometimes how good it is to have the freedom to have a steak without getting sick, right? Same thing with me. I know when I was upset with that family member or upset in general, you know, the the thought never really crossed my mind, what if I could have a drink? But I was so proud because I was so angry and I was just like, I just don't do that though. It wasn't part of my reality anymore and I, and I accepted and I allowed myself to live in that reality. I didn't struggle with it. I wasn't sitting here in conflict like, damn, I'm pissed off. I can't go get a drink or because I'm upset. I was just upset. It became part of the just, I just went with the flow. Right. So my thing with you guys is you have to understand we got to put these things in order. Set your law of attraction point, you know, have your allowance and then learn to accept 
and let things go. It is what it is. Again, right? You know what I'm saying? Overthinking when overthinking. Serene when the serene. Judgmental when judgmental. If you're in a state of being accepted, it's going to pass. If you have some bad emotions or you sad or something, you're going to have to sometimes sit there and embrace it, accept it, and it'll go. Just it is what it is. And then you use these different emotions and these different triggers and these different things as learning points to get to the next level. So ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to um um beat this into the ground, but what I would like to do is I would like to get to our next segment where we get some real tough now, listen, guys, you I hope y'all ready for David Goggins, because this is the real deal. Now, I'm not bringing you guys no cookie cutter chumps. Right. I We 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 had to go through some E.T. Eric Thomas. You know, we did our Eric Thomas and the motivation. We did some Lisa Nichols. These are Titans. We did some Les Brown. Right now, today, I'm bringing to you guys the one and only David Goggins. And he's going to talk to us about. How not to live a life of procrastination and laziness. Now, because we conquered the first stage of our lives, we found our recovery. Some of us in the sober communities recovering from alcohol. Some of us is recovering from sex addiction. Some of us is recovering from gambling. Some of us is recovering from meth. Some of us are recovering from pills. Some of us is recovering from all type of stuff, right? Being a hater, Right. Being a liar, being a thief, people are detoxing and recovering all day from all type of human conditions and affirmities and attitudes and whatever. But in what we conquered that now we have to conquer ourselves. And that's why I'm bringing these tools, because I want us to get into the state of mindset where we have our sober mindset right and then we callous our sober mindset with a can do and will do mindset because i want us to become like champions in our sobriety i want us to be monumental in our sobriety you know we can make millions of dollars i don't care so we'll all do blue collar things you know in the daytime you know at nighttime i'm the superhero on the podcast but i gotta go to work in the daytime and we rip our shirts open and we have the s on our chest for sobriety we superheroes right and we're all gonna turn our sobriety into something greater We're going to take this as a stepping stone to conquer other aspects of our lives. So if you're out there and you think you're going to just be an insurance adjuster forever or you're going to work at that blue collar job forever, but your dream is to go on tour and run a rock band and you 60 and you everyone telling you you can't do it. Pop Buchanan is telling you, take your 65-year-old butt, go buy your guitar, and go get your homies and start your rock band. Don't give up on your dreams. We're going to stop. And sometimes procrastination is us just not saying aloud that we're fair to take the first step to conquering our dreams. Right? I'll get to it tomorrow. But then your subconscious, you really wonder, what would, would it be if I really did this thing? Right? So we have to challenge ourselves. So with no further ado, 
I'm going to cut to either a message from our sponsor or I'm going to go directly into our clip. But the next segment will be how to conquer laziness and procrastination with the one and only David Goggins. Ladies and gentlemen, please go buy his new book, Can't Hurt Me. Um, you could get it on Audible, Amazon. It's the one of the greatest reads and it's one of the tools we're going to use in the Sober's Dope universe. I love you guys. Catch you on the other side. When you really sit back at your life and you're in that dark room and you're looking at where you started from and you tell yourself, God, dog, man, my, my mom is this way. My soon stepdad got murdered. My dad beat the shit out of me. I can't read and write to save my fucking soul. I've lied about it to everybody. I've cheated on all these tests. My God, man. And then you put a goal in your mind. How are you going to feel, man, when you accomplish this goal coming from that shit? Coming from the fucking hell you came from. A lot of people start from a good starting point. They have a good foundation. What if you can surpass all of these motherfuckers? What if everybody who was fucking way up here started up here and you had, you started with no legs. You had to grow fucking legs to even start walking and then crawling and then running. And then you start passing people with all this given to them. I had to use all this negative shit that was making me weak and horrible as a person. I had to use this as the power that now fueled me. I had to flip it on its head and say, hold up. This might be exactly what I need. The darkness is exactly what I need. It's how you look at your situation. And I was looking at it all fucked up. You have to first accept it before you can fix it. A lot of people walk around, oh man, I'm good. I'm good. No, you're not. You have to accept what you're not. You have to, and people don't want to do that. And that's the only way you can fix it. You have to accept it first before you can go on the journey. A lot of folks never even start the journey, man. They never start the journey because they're living this fake life that who they want to be, they act like they are, but they're not because they haven't fixed all this stuff yet. You got to fix this first before we can start our journey in life. So that's why I have them make this list. You fix these problems, now your journey can begin because you no longer care about how people are judging you. When, you. when you care more about how someone's judging you, you're going to stay right there. There's no forward momentum. Each thing that is wrong with you has to be a focal point. You can't look at this gigantic list and say, I got to change all this shit. My God, this is crazy. No. You take off the first one. I want to be smarter. For me, that was my thing. I have, to, I have to become more intelligent. I have such a severe learning disability, man. I can't retain shit. I had to now get that one thing and then strategize in that one problem. How can I do this? I'm not going to learn like you. I'm not going to learn like anybody else. How am I going to figure this out? So I then figured out, okay, where are my strengths here? Where are my weaknesses in learning? All right, man, how am I going to do this? And I figured out a way to do it. By this strategizing. So how I learn to this day, if I have a big manual to study, I will have to get a bunch of spiral notebooks from the, from the daggone store. And each page, I have to write each page out, maybe 10 times. So there was a thousand page dive manual that I got 18 months before I went to dive school. Most people... I'm not smart. I'm going to go see if I can pass this test. I realized, hang on a second. I'm not smart. 
how can I get past this? How can I get through this obstacle? I need to get, I need to acquire this book 18 months in advance because it could take me 18 months to write down each page over and over again to then put it to memory. So when the question came up, I had written that question so many times down in that, in, on, you know, on paper that I can recall, okay, page 71 was where I remember seeing this and I can recall it that way. And that's how I did it. So you got to strategize on each problem you have in life. Slowly break down that problem. Don't think about all the problems you have, just one at a time. And before you know it, you fix all these problems, but you cannot focus on all of them, just on the one thing at a time. There's a concept in your book that permeates the whole book and I think really is one of the most important things for people to understand in their own life, certainly to understand you, and it's the notion of detesting mediocrity. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about that. How, do you, how did you instill it in your life? How can other people instill it in theirs? It's one of the biggest things in the world. A lot of us, mediocrity is everywhere right now. And we're all trying to find an easy way out. And we're judging ourselves. Let's say there's 10 people in this room. And we're all mediocre. But I'm the best of the mediocre people. I now think I'm great. I'm great. We surround ourselves around people that make us feel great. That Tell us what we want to hear. The second we put ourselves amongst the uncommon people, we don't like that feeling, that challenging feeling that, of, of that person who's waking up at 3.30 in the morning and says, hey, put your shit on, we're going for a run. We don't like that challenge. We like that person who says, hey, you know what, man, I don't feel good today, man. And they say, oh, it's okay, brother. We'll take a day off, man. We'll get a pizza and shit, watch the game. We like that. We, we love that feeling. Why? Because you understand, man, we're good, bro. We don't want that motherfuckers like this. Hey, man, no, bro. Get your fucking shit on, man. Stop being a punk. We don't want that in our lives. We don't want that person who's constantly challenging our weaknesses. We want that person who's constantly, you know, making us feel nice and good and secure in us. That's the mediocrity of life. We want to be the best amongst the average people. People wonder, how do you stay hungry all the time? Because after I accomplish something... I don't sit back like a lot of guys who graduate buds, graduate this, graduate that. They get comfortable. They wonder why I'm getting weak, man. I don't know. I lost my edge. What's going on? Because once you hit the top of the fucking mountain, guess what happened? I'm good. I'm good. So you wonder why you're falling down now. Because once you reach the top of the mountain, you got to build a fucking other one. That's mediocrity. There's a lot of people in mediocrity who have a nice resume. But they're one-timers, man. They hit... They hit a one-time deal, they busted it open, got a lot of money, but they're good. You're mediocre now, man. What are you fucking doing today, tomorrow, the next fucking day? That's why I don't listen to theorists. I don't listen to all that bullshit. I listen to a motherfucker who's like this, man. What's wrong, man? I'm fucking tired, dude. Why are you tired? Because tomorrow, I got to do the fucking shit again, man. Whatever the shit is that made me fucking nauseous and sick to my stomach, it made me hurt. There's no ending. And that's the person I listen to. That's the person who's gained knowledge. You gain knowledge through suffering. And on the other end of suffering is a world that very few, very few have ever seen. It's a beautiful world because that's where you find yourself. You don't find yourself in over here. You find yourself on the other end. Like, like the 100-mile race I was on, I ran it for 24 hours. I found myself on the other end of that fucking race. That 19 hours, I found, wow, 
there's a whole nother fucking world out here that I've never even saw. But the world's in your mind. And that's what all that mediocrity is about. Mediocrity is contagious. I'm, I'm a very philosophical person. And I'm going to go there with you real quick. I believe in a higher power. Don't know the name. Don't know where it's coming from. Don't know anything like that. But I believe that this power, and visualize me real quick. Let's say it's a man up there or a woman, whatever. And they have a chart. And when you're born, they say David Goggins. Born February 17, 1975 at 6 a.m. They write the chart down because they can see everything. They know exactly what you're fucking supposed to be. They know what you're supposed to be. You die, you go to so-called heaven. You arrive at heaven, I'm 300 pounds. I retired as an Ecolab guy, which is okay. Just a job, whatever. I go up there and God looks at me and he shows me my chart. And my chart on there says you were supposed to be a Navy SEAL. You're supposed to weigh 185 pounds. You're supposed to be one of the smartest people on the planet, this, this, all this. You see this. And now you're in heaven. You made it to heaven, but you're like, God, Doug, I was supposed to live that life. I was supposed to live that life. And then you find out that the reason why, because we all think that if we pray on it, if we do this, if we do that, whatever, if we don't work, we just, whatever, it's going to magically happen for us. No. I believe that when I'm all said and done with, my whole job is to outwork the chart. Whatever the fucking chart says about me, the all-knowing power up there, I want to get up there and say, him, look at me and say, I know everything. I didn't fucking see this. <laughs> I didn't fucking see this. I want to feel that. I want to get to the other end of this fucking world. And however I'm being judged, whoever's judging me, to look at me and say, I did not fucking know. I, I had you at 185. I had you at this. But all this other shit, I was riding as you were living it. I want to, I want to find more. All I can. And in that fucking sack of shit, you have to dive in that to find more. Because if you're not willing to go in there and face yourself, you're not going to find anything. You can live right here on surface, man, right here on surface. So if there is an ending to this world and there is somewhere to go and there's a judgment, you're going to get there and you might see a chart. And that chart may tell you who the fuck you should have been. And now you get the rest of your life to think about that. Man, I could have lived a much better life if I just would have just suffered a little bit more. If I just would have went in that shit and realized I had so much more. But fear and the 40% and living here versus living here, being afraid, stop me. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the that's the serious David, Mr. David Goggins, Mr. Serious, Mr. No Cookie Cutter Nonsense. Now, listen, we're about to turn it up now in this episode. Now, for everyone out there, I totally could identify with that. There's many days where it's real easy to be like, you know what, I'm not feeling well, I can't go out or I ain't going to work or I'll get to that tomorrow and I'm putting stuff off and... 
Yesterday, I was talking about how stern I am on some of my friends that still struggle with addiction because I'm like the drill sergeant. But I didn't want to be one of those people that's just like, oh, that a boy is okay. Because it's not. Some things is not okay. If you're sick and you're struggling, it's like if the doctor tells, you know, the doctor tells us, you know what, you got to stop eating certain foods because you're diabetic and we're going to have to amputate your legs or something. And then my friend or somebody or I keep eating the food. I don't want the person that's around me to be like, it's okay. You got to have another cheesecake. I want the, I want the person around me that's going to smack the cheesecake out of my hand, shake me by my collar and say, you can't eat this no more. You're going to die. Now get up. Let's go get a salad and run. That's what we need. And if that, and what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share these resources so we can find this coverage within ourselves. Because sometimes we have to be our own drill sergeant. And th- that segment got me, man. You know what? Look, we can't become millionaires. We can't buy that dream house. We can't you know, pay for our kids to go to Harvard and yell if we sit in there and we're procrastinating and we're being lazy. If we're not able to forgive and let the past go. If we're not accepting, um, you know, we're not uh, we, we we don't we're not using acceptance of our reality. You know, if we're not using positive thought reinforcement, if we're not being real with ourselves, right? So this is that 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 touched me, man. This guy's serious because this is a person when you I read this man's I'm reading this man's book. His life was hard. He came up hard. He came up with an abusive father. And, you know, this 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 guy had a lot of challenges. He cheated his way through school. So by the time it really mattered when he had to take his his test for the military, this guy couldn't even read or comprehend. He had to teach himself how to read. He had to lose 200 pounds within a 30, 60 day period to pass the test. He had to challenge himself. And then once he challenged, he never stopped. He he wound up becoming a a a Navy SEAL, and he also wound up um becoming the winner of a multiple Ultraman races. And if you know anything about an Ultraman race, it's some of the most brutal um sport activities on the planet. I mean, this thing is like you have to run twenty thirty miles through jungles and all type of stuff. And this guy's been conquering. So. This is about us breaking past our comfort zone. It's about us taking accountability. It's about us being realistic. And some and, and look, when you deal with David Goggins, he gonna give it to you raw, the curses and everything. And if you're on this podcast and you're sensitive to harsh language, where we came from, a curse ain't nothing, man. All of us came from the the, the, the darkness, man, from addiction. So sometimes we gotta just listen to somebody give it to us raw. You know, um, so, you know, if you're sensitive, I apologize. But some of these segments, man, these people is just giving you the facts. They're telling you what you need to hear. They're giving us what we need to hear. So moving along in this episode, um, the next segment is about forgiveness. Now, I promise you I was going to get a doctor on here for you, right? And I got a doctor for you. And I got he's more than a doctor, He's a bishop. To me, he's one of my bishops. All right. And the reason why I want to go into forgiveness in our next segment, because this is an episode for our tool belt. It's our sober is dope tool belt. Right. So we went from me talking about the law of uh, the law of allowing the law of attraction to the law of acceptance. 
to not being lazy and procrastinating and how to conquer that. And then now we have to jump into forgiveness and the truth about forgiveness. Because we have to be able to forgive. Because this is all about, in order for us to get to the next level, we have to become new people. We have to rebuild our minds and bodies and our souls and our spirit. So in this next segment, we have the great Bishop and Dr. T.D. Jakes, who's going to break down the truth and the power of forgiveness for us so we could grow more in our spirit and get to the next level. And I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't know what the real deal was until I actually heard T.D. Jakes for the first time. All right. Bishop T.D. Jakes is the real deal. Whether you believe in God, Jesus, church, anything and this man speaks, you won't listen. It's like he has some type of anointing on him that I can't explain. It's beyond race. It's beyond religion. It's beyond denomination. It's spiritual. This man is anointed. And, you know, I come from a whole family of priests and pastors. I know. You know what I'm saying? When someone is the real deal, I'm the real deal spiritual meter. Like if I hear you, I could say this person is anointing or this person is a quack job, right? There's a lot of preachers out there that's quack jobs, but um, the honorary Bishop T.D. Jakes is not that he's anointed. He's a, he's a pillar and he's a child of God. So ladies and gentlemen, with no further ado, here's Bishop T.D. Jakes dropping it for us about forgiveness and love. Please enjoy. Catch you on the other side. There is a word that God has put in my heart that I believe is life-changing. We spend a lot of times cleansing ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh, lust and anger and, and, and habits and addictions and things like that. But, but what is deeper is the cleansing of the heart. Your God is a God of seed. He's a God of seed. Everything he does, he does it by seed. It starts out in seed form. He sends his word, which is a seed. And the seed germinates and it brings forth fruit and it brings forth life. It all starts in seed form. Your mind is the ground where seeds are planted. And that's good when it's positive seeds, seeds of life and seeds of healing and seeds of restoration, seeds of deliverance. That's really cool. But it's bad when it's negative seeds like unforgiveness, pride, flesh, carnality. Those are negative things. For the last year, I've been studying and preparing and writing a book called Let It Go, which is built on the premise of forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's amazing to me how many of us as Christians never talk about forgiveness. I mean, isn't that the substratum of what our faith is all about? It's about forgiveness. Isn't that what Jesus died on the cross for, for forgiveness? Isn't that what we're here singing about and raising our hands about and clapping and skipping and falling out on the floors about forgiveness? Everybody in this room has been forgiven. That's, that's, that's a victory right there. Everybody in this room has been forgiven. If you're a Christian, you've been forgiven. You're not here because you deserve it. You're not here because God owes you a favor. You've been forgiven. Isn't it funny how you could have been forgiven and find it difficult to forgive? The challenge is God wants you to be a conduit through which 
His character flows through. He tells Paul in 1 Corinthians to comfort one another with the comfort wherewith you have been comforted. In other words, monkey see, monkey do. He said, when, when, when you see me comfort you, just turn around and act like me to somebody else and comfort them. God will give anything to you that he can get through you. So whether you know how to do things, when I was a little boy, I, when I was young, well, not a little boy, but a young man, my, my brother seven years older than me, uh, he was 19 when I was 12, I asked my brother, how, how do you kiss? Yeah, I, I was worried, you know, because I thought, you suppose I do it wrong. And so I said, how do you do it? He said, well, he said, don't worry about it. He said, just whatever they do, do it back. I won't finish that story because that story got me into a whole lot of trouble. But, it, but at the time I started into it, it seemed like a good metaphor to teach you a very strong principle. God says, whatever I do to you, do it back. Even if you don't know how to do it, even if you're not familiar with it, imitate me. If I comfort you, you comfort them. If I bless you, you bless them. If I teach you, you teach them. If I forgive you, you forgive them. Think about this. Ever since we were kids, we were taught the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Check this out. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Now that thing, I was good until we got to that. That means all of my life I have been asking God to treat me like I treat people. Do you want God to treat you like you do your old boyfriend? Oh, y'all talking now. I see. Uh, oh, yeah. You, you want God to treat you like you treat that person you work with or go to school with that gets on your nerves, your last nerves. You want God to treat you like you treat your father who didn't raise you, your mother who didn't love you. Or that particular sister who is always comparing herself. Do you want God to forgive you like you forgive her? Here lies the problem. And everybody cannot get it. Forgiveness is a big idea. It's for people who are big enough to see the big picture. And you know how you can forgive people who really hurt you? You can forgive people when you understand them. And this is the beginning of your understanding. This is understanding 101. You get the book, I'll take you through the whole process. But this is understanding 101. You have not made a distinction between weakness and wickedness. He might have been weak, but he wasn't wicked. She might have been weak and not wicked. Some things people did, they didn't do them to you. They did it to themselves and you were a victim of their weakness. And how arrogant of you to act like you have no weaknesses of your own. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? So I want you to begin to make the distinction between weakness and wickedness so that you can begin to understand that you can't afford not to be forgiving. The Bible said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Somebody shout mercy. 
Now I want you to understand that whenever you ask for mercy, you have to understand you're guilty. See, if I accuse you of a crime and you didn't do the crime, when you go to court, you want justice. Because justice is a friend to the innocent. So when you are innocent and I falsely accuse you, you pray for justice. But when I accuse you of something for which you are guilty, you pray for mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. That means that mercy is what God releases, not when they're lying on you. God releases mercy when you are guilty. And there is something that each of you know about yourselves in this room that you are guilty of, and yet you have received mercy. My question then, my brothers and sisters, is how can you receive it and then refuse to give it? And your reason for not being forgiving of all things is because they're guilty. Y'all know you should see what he did. He's guilty. So are you. If God had ever forgiven you, though you were guilty, had mercy, though you were wrong, then it's kind of like the kissing. Just do back what he did to you. Let it go. Let it go. The art of forgiving. The art of forgiving. You will never sustain a lifelong love without forgiveness. He's just gonna, he's gonna blow it. He's going to blow it and say the wrong, dumb thing at the wrong time and not even know that it was a dumb thing and say it over again and again and not even know that he is ticking you off every time he says it. She's going to be busy giving you what you used to need not knowing that you are not who you were. And if you don't forgive it, if you don't forgive her for being what used to be a good wife, you'll never see the good wife that she could be now. I was on the Dr. Phil show and they were talking about the governor from New York and what went on with him and they were talking about his wife standing by him and they were all going off about it going off I said, please we don't get to tell her whether she should forgive him or not you don't know anything about what makes that marriage work the chemistry of that relationship what has he forgiven about her what drives two people together how, how they fit together like a key in a lock is nobody's business we don't get just because we're the viewer to participate in the marital process of people coming together there is not a married person in this room that's been married a considerable amount of time who hasn't had to forgive each other to stay together. 
And if you don't develop the art of forgiveness, and some of you have never developed the art of forgiveness because your mother didn't demonstrate it, or your father didn't demonstrate it, and you have no point of reference that it's not in your culture, and if you don't get in your Bible, you're not going to find it. And I dare you to pray the Lord's Prayer, and dare you to stand and pray, forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. If God forgave you like you forgave him, would you be saved, or would you be going to hell right now? I don't understand how you can get down on your knees and ask God for forgiveness and believe that he forgive you for your improprieties and your mistakes and yet when you get a chance to operate in that forgiveness you have no forgiveness for me and you say it's because you're holy I say it's because you're hellish you can't be an unforgiving Christian it's an oxymoron. Christians are forgiven. How can you be an unforgiving? Woo. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, that touched me deeply. And, um, you know, I feel like God granted me mercy and gave me my life back. And I don't feel like that. God did. He granted me mercy and gave me my life back. And God, the universe, the angels, whatever you want to call the creator, the creator of worlds, the creator of all things, God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, have mercy on me. I'm still here. I'm still alive. I'm lucky, guys. And I feel like, you know, my family and my friends forgave me. And, you know, whether I hurt them directly or indirectly, sometimes you could hurt people just by being in the state of your addiction. Just naturally hurting yourself hurts people. When I see someone I love hurting themselves... I'm, I, I, I get upset and I get hurt for them, you know, because you don't want to see anyone you love sick. You don't want to see anyone you love struggling. You don't. If you have a good heart, you don't, you know. So if you're out there and um, if it, I just want to I just want to say to everyone that I, I may have some problems with, whether it's a family member, whether it's an ex I don't think I have any problems with anyone, but, you know, I just hope if if I ever hurt you out there, I just hope you forgive me. And for anyone who ever hurt me, I want you guys to know I forgive you for real. Like, I don't I don't want to hold no pain and no hurt. You know, I have no problems with any one of my exes. I have no problems with any of my family members. I have no problems with my friend. I have friends that did all type of stuff. I have a friend that burnt down my house. You know what I'm saying? So, um, and I forgive him. I have a friend that crashed my car when I went upstairs to, to, you know, stole my car and crashed it when I was young. And I just went upstairs to drop groceries off. And he just got, he stole my, I thought I could leave, you know, my keys in the car. This is a friend. He just took the car and left and totaled my car. I forgave him. 
I feel, you know, I still talk, I see him to this day. There's no problem. We never bring that up. So in my life, I try to practice forgiveness, but I want to go deeper than that. Like, I really want to say I spiritually want to cleanse myself today of anyone who may have hurt me. And I ask anyone that I may have hurt, just please forgive me and have mercy on me. Because sometimes you can hurt people without even knowing it. It may not even be intentional, right? And, you know, my family and friends forgave me for any times I blew up, if I was drunk or if I was upset or something like that. So a lot of this takes courage. And I want to end this segment with one more short clip. Thank you for your patience, guys. This is a three-minute clip on courage. All right. Remember, this episode was important. It's part of the tool belt. And this episode is the makeshift episode for episode 33 because we skipped episode 33. Um, uh, 33 is my lucky number, so I wanted to do something special for it. But, you know, I didn't realize I had forgot it. I was just in haste, just running through all my episodes. So... Um, this will be episode 33 and episode 36. So just listen to this last clip, guys. It's on courage. And we need courage to get to the next level where we're trying to get. Right? All right? So we have to accept. We have to use acceptance. We have to use the power and the law of attraction. We have to use the power and the law of allowing. And then we have to use the power of forgiveness. And then we have to conquer the laziness and procrastination. And all of that takes a hell of a lot of courage. So you won't catch me again to the other side, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to play this clip. And then I'm going to end it with a great song from one of our main guys on the podcast who recommended this song to me. Um, so the outro song goes out to them. I'm not going to mention their name. I want to surprise them. But ladies and gentlemen, enjoy our final segment on courage. Okay. And I love you all. Thank you for being part of the Sober is Dope experience. If you are part of the Sober is Dope experience, you are part of the Sober is Dope universe. And no matter what anyone ever tells you, Sober will always be dope. I'm Pop Buchanan. I love you all. Catch you on episode 37. God bless you. You got to have the courage. Do you have the courage to act outwardly on what you see inwardly? Or will you die a dreamer? Will you die on the verge and on the edge and in the land of coulda, woulda, and shoulda? Do you have the courage? I'm, I'm going to drop something on you. It takes courage to be successful. It is far easier not to be successful. Misery will always have company. Success breeds contempt. If you don't want to make waves, be mediocre. Be normal and fit in. And if you're more concerned about people than you are God, then neutralize everything he put in you. Just fit in with everybody else. Dress like them, walk like them, act like them, eat like them, go where they go, think like they think, do what they do. And once you've neutralized your uniqueness, you don't need courage. It takes courage to be different. It takes courage to go where you've never gone before. 
For some of you, it took courage to come to this conference. It takes courage to get you outside of the bar. It takes courage to be successful. It takes courage to win. People don't talk about people that don't win. If you win, they're going to talk about you. Do you have the courage to stand there though the storms keep raging and the people get to talking and you stand there and say, I've come too far to turn around? Do you have the courage? I'm going I'm to say something to you. It takes courage to be exceptional. It takes courage to be wise. It takes courage to be rich. It takes courage to be educated. It takes courage to be knowledgeable. Because the moment you do, but you, you don't talk like, oh, you don't got, forgot where you came from. Look at you, you talked to It takes courage. And I'm just wondering, in this weak, watered-down, mediocre society that we live in today, in this reality TV world we live in today, I'm wondering if there's anybody left that's got the courage to say after all I've been through and all my ancestors have been through and all my parents have been through, I didn't come through all of that just to fit in with normalcy. I have the courage to go after my dream. Is there a woman left in this entire Coliseum that's got some courage?
You're the God of miracles. You're the God of miracles. God of miracles. 